We're doing a series called The Giver and His Gifts, and um, I said this last week, the, the way that God is, in a sense, giving it to me is not coming out the way it normally does, which I actually greatly appreciate. I think there's, the God is busy doing a new thing, and He really is, and I've been saying and declaring this for a while, and many people around the world are, and I really believe that some of the, the boxes that need to be broken need to be broken around this subject and this topic. This subject or this area in the New Testament has caused more division than most others, and it is either generally completely ignored, you know, the gifts are not for today, or it's shut down, or it's taught incorrectly, or it becomes a, there's more religion, if by that I mean um, form without power, and there's more religion and hype in the you know, highly supernatural wired sometimes churches and people than they are in a, say, in the more denominational, and I'm sorry to be so blunt, but there's sometimes more religion there. And so God wants to smash and open things and change boxes and, and because you are people of the Spirit. You all are. You are housed in a body. The real you is a spiritual being housed in a body with a soul to understand this world. One day that body will be changed, but you are a spirit being, a spirit person. That's what the Bible teaches. So I'm going to start with a quote, because I did last week, so I thought I'd do it again. Different quote. The gradual disappearance of the idea and feeling in majesty from the church is a sign and important, in other words, a warning. Our God has now become our servant to wait on our will. The Lord is my shepherd, we say, instead of the Lord is my shepherd. And the difference is as wide as the world. The church has surrendered her once lofty concept of God and has substituted it for one so low, so ignoble, as to be utterly unworthy of thinking and worshiping men, mankind. The low view of God, entertained almost universally among Christians, is the cause of the hundred lesser evils everywhere among us. And a whole new philosophy of the Christian life has resulted from this one basic error in our thinking. The world is perishing for lack of the knowledge of God, and the church is famishing for want of His presence. A.W. Tozer. It's very true in our day. Very true in our day. And unfortunately, uh, you've heard it say me over and over, but unfortunately, the world, especially with subjects like this, or the church, has become so self-centered or focused that, you know, focus on me and on us, which to some degree we need because of identity and shifts and changes, we understand that. But it has to come with the right understanding. It has to. And that is Christ. Jesus is the center. And sometimes when a person understands something of the supernatural, it's almost like the language they develop, and they don't mean to, because they actually have a real relationship with the Lord. But for the people who are listening to them, there's like a language developed that becomes a culture which almost treats God as a vending machine. You, you know what I mean? I'll do this, and God, will, it's, and it's not really like that at all. And that's why we, you've heard me say it over and over, we are building a culture here, something what I believe what the Lord has put in our hearts, of a culture of people that know God personally, or that can come to know God personally. It's not churchianity, it's God, to know God. That is the definition of eternal life. And um, 
the Bible says that he is not a man. The Bible says he is spirit, he is light, he is love. And the way has been opened by Christ for us to have a relationship with him personally. And yet the names of God and the things of God, things like El Shaddai, God Almighty, El Elyon, Adonai, Elohe, Eloha. There were even seven names of God in the, in the Old Testament that were so holy that once they were written, they were never allowed to be erased. So there's such a low view of God, you know, but He is still God Almighty, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And He hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. And when Christ opened the realm, the supernatural realm to all, you know, <laughs> things are possible that we could not possibly fathom. But this has to say central. God Almighty. Amen. So, the spirit realm pertains to the unseen, yes, but it also pertains to God himself. Because the Bible says he is spirit. He is the originator of that realm and this one. And so to start to function in operations of the manifestations of the spirit or the gifts of the spirit, when we do it without God at the center, that's when it becomes unhealthy. And we say amen. Hallelujah. So, now that we agree, um, I want to cover this in three ways. Introduction, excuse me, to spirituality, the purpose and heart of the gifts, and the outworking in a local body. Last week, I talked about introduction to spirituality, and I want to continue with that. Uh, I've realized just last week, and even this this last week as I was preparing, this is going to take a little longer (laughs) than I initially thought. I had some questions, good questions afterwards. And uh, some people said they never heard it put that way, which helps them change and bring some understanding to the gifts and what's been taught before. So I'm going to even take a step further back and talk about, again, the introduction to spirituality. So quick recap, spirituality and spiritual gifts. Who has a physical Bible? Can you lift it up? All right. Wonderful. More than I think. Great. I encourage you to bring your physical Bible to the service. Um, Dust it off. You know, bring it with. That was a joke. If you didn't laugh, that's then maybe not a joke. But, um, But dust it off and bring it because there's something that you in a physical book. I know electronic is easier, but some of the scriptures are not going to come up behind us. Not because I was lazy, it'll just take too long. So I'd encourage you to bring this. So 1 Corinthians 12, let's turn there. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these mute idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And <clears throat> so last week, we covered a few of those verses. Could I have a new battery, please, Aaron? Thanks. And uh, we covered some of those, but Paul was actually addressing, just to recap, their lack of understanding of what it meant to be spiritual. That word spiritual is not in, I mean, that word gifts is not in the original. Now concerning, okay, everyone's focused on Aaron. Oh, Lu- oh Noah.
Thank you, Noah. He's been with us since youth days, and he's a faithful man. Can we give him a hand? Yeah, yeah Noah. <clears throat> he loves physical hugs, contact. <laughs> he loves long discussions about pointless things. He loves, he loves small talk. So if you know him well, you'll know to go and do all those things to him. So um, thank you, Noah. But now it says, now concerning spiritual gifts. That word gifts is not there in the, in the original, and it's a travesty. And, uh, that sounds a bit strong. It's not helpful that it's there, which I'll explain later. And 1 Corinthians 14, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Verse 1, that word gifts is not there. What it's actually saying is, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, about the spiritual, the spiritual realm, the spiritual things. The word gifts is not there. It happens in the chapter, but it's not in that verse 1, and it's actually extremely important. Very, very important. So, the Corinthians, Paul was addressing their lack of understanding of what it meant to be spiritual. He said earlier that they were not, that he could not speak to them as spiritual, but as babes in Christ and as, and as carnal. And he also said earlier in the book, you lack no spiritual gift. So these Corinthians were seeing the manifestation and demonstrations of the power of God breaking out, and he says to them, I cannot speak to you about, I cannot speak to you as spiritual people. So we think spiritual means trances and gifts and, and tongues and all these things, but Paul said, I cannot actually speak to you as spiritual, because God is the originator of the spirit realm, and the attributes of God were not present in their expression. The power was, but the attributes were not. See, you get the works of the Spirit, the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do, the manifestations of the Spirit. That's what He wants to do. But the fruits of the Spirit, that's who He is. And I've seen so many times there's a release of power, but not in the way that reflects who He is. Love, peace, patience, kindness, friendship, loyalty. Those things are spiritual no less than these things. And Paul says, I cannot speak to you as spiritual because I don't find love and submission in the release of what you're doing. And they were treating each other terrible. So they're taking three steps forward and then four steps back, releasing power, pushing the enemy back, and then falling prey to his way of thinking and the way they treated each other. So he was dealing with that. And Jesus speaks a lot to them about the Holy Spirit in John 14 to his disciples in 16, and he is revealing something to them about submission and its role in the release of the supernatural from your hands, from your mouth, from your life. He said, I do not speak on my own authority. He says, the words that I speak to you are not mine, but my Father. And I do not speak on my own authority, but it is he in me who does the works. Words to supernatural works. And it's the next couple verses when he says, greater works will you do. But it starts with words. Two chapters later, John 16, he says, the Holy Spirit whom I will send to you, the Spirit of truth, he will not speak on his own authority. You see, the Holy Spirit is to us who Jesus was to them. We have to understand that. We have to understand. That. We cannot go forward until we understand that. The Holy Spirit is to us. He said, I will give you another helper. That word another is one like me. He will be everything to you. I release to you power and authority, Matthew 10. The Holy Spirit will now release to you power and authority. He will be to you everything I am to you. We covered this last week, and it's extremely, extremely important. But what comes 
in between when God will take your words, be healed, or prophetic word, and turn it into the supernatural works, from words to works, what comes in the middle? Not in my own authority, submission. To walk with the Spirit and understand that God is the originator of that realm. There's a level of submission, and it's not required because then it's not a gift. He will still function through you, but there will be a ceiling. Does that make sense? Makes sense to my dad. That's good news. That's good news. And um, they needed authority to what Jesus was saying to them in John 14 and 16. To accomplish what I've given you to do will require authority that does not come from you and power that is not sourced in you. See, power and authority, we haven't even started on this week. Help me, Jesus. Power and authority, there's a difference, and it's important to understand. I've given this example before. A policeman has a badge and a gun. The power of the Spirit is to accomplish what the authority you have been given. The power, you can enforce the authority that you have with power. That's the gun. That's a bad example. You don't shoot people. But, but the gun allows the policeman, the, the policeman to enforce his authority. It's not a gun issue, don't get political, it's just an example. But it is true. They have weapons of warfare, in a sense, that are given them to help enforce the, the authority that they have because they carry the badge, but the badge is more important than the gun. Why? Because you, you can hand in your gun. That would be crazy to do that. You could hand in your gun and keep your badge. That's many believers. They have technical authority but no power. But you cannot hand in your badge and keep your gun. Very, very important. Very important. So, Paul was addressing the lack of understanding of what it meant to be spiritual. Paul was addressing their familiarity and the counterfeit. We have to understand these, this context, these are Greek pagan people before they got saved. They didn't grow up with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, jo no, no, no. Hermes, Zeus, all these guys. So they were accustomed to speaking as oracles along by the demonic... Imagine, it's not like America, friends. We have to understand that. They were in the counterfeit. Their culture, their history was in the counterfeit spirit all their days, all their life. So they had oracles and temple prostitutes who would knew, they spoke in demonic tongues. Bible says that in the first three chapters. You were led to speak along as these other spirits would speak to you. And so why do you think it wasn't the desire of the Holy Spirit through Paul, I don't believe, to emphasize tongues for 1 Corinthians 12 and 14? It was because it was the thing that they were most affiliated with, they were most comfortable from their culture, and so it was the gift that they focused on the most. So Paul had to bring the most correction. It wasn't because it was better than the others. Are you with me? So they were accustomed to that. And notice this, I said this last week, he was not afraid in the interest in spiritual things, and he does not restore misuse with no use. That is the Western world. You're doing it wrong, so now the gifts don't exist. He says, no, eagerly desire, go even further, but let me change your lens and introduce the authentic, the real, because your whole history has been clouded by the counterfeit. And Paul was addressing polytheism, which I won't get into, but in verse, we'll read it, 
uh, with all the gifts of the Spirit or the manifestations of the Spirit, the nine of them that are listed here, he says, by the same Spirit, by the same Spirit, by the same Spirit. And that was because they were starting to, uh, um, they were accustomed to multiple gods, God of war, God of love, God of fertility, God of, and they were starting to say Apollos, Paul, Cephas, or Peter, and all these different people, and starting to attach like godly qualities to them because that's what they were comfortable with, and it says that in the beginning of the book. So it's multiple gods is one spirit, and he has multiple expressions. That was the main point of what he's addressing in 1 Corinthians 12. We all make it about, oh, it's just the gifts. It's not actually what he was trying to teach on. He was addressing not many gods, one spirit. Very, very important. So, essentially, it'll come up behind you, I think. Paul was revealing that they had seen God, heaven, and Christianity through the lens of their culture, through the lens of their history. That's what he's actually dealing with, instead of who God really, really is. Does that make sense? All right. So, we're going to continue with introduction to spirituality. And I'd like to touch on some stuff today that I trust you don't put in a box in your mind. But I want to bring some clarity today on things that have long been misunderstood. And it will change a life. It will change a life. So, I'm going to ask us to pray together. Could I be very terrible and ask us to stand one more time? I'm going to ask us to pray. It's just going to be a repeat after me prayer just because I didn't have time to put it up behind me. I'm going to just pray and then you repeat after me if you want to. And uh, yeah, can we do that together? Because your words are required. They are very powerful. So Lord, change my lenses. Set me free from spiritual competition. Help me celebrate others in your body. I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Amen. Okay. Wonderful. Now, that's important. Why? And I know today is a little bit, but let me first start here for this week. Help me, Jesus. 1 Corinthians. We have to understand the context of 1 Corinthians if we can actually understand all the teaching on gifts that you find there. Now, you will find teaching on giftings in Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14. You'll find it in different places. But if you look at the, the letter to the Corinthians, all right, he says this, the first five chapters, he's dealing with issues, incest, spiritual stuff, sexual stuff. He's dealing with a whole bunch of issues that were happening in the church, division and rumors and all the stuff, right? Then he says in 1 Corinthians 7, and now I'm in Romans, too eager. It says in 1 Corinthians 7, it says this, if I can find it. He says, now concerning the things of which he wrote to me. So they had written him and asked him questions. That's a genuine apostolic father. Yeah? The church can write, please help us. And then he starts to explain, and he says concerning, you know, Sexual things. It is not good for a man to touch a woman outside of marriage. Then he says concerning virgins. Then he says uh, concerning marriage. Then he says concerning apostleship. Then he says concerning Old Testament examples. And then he, he talks about um, head coverings and the Lord's Supper. 
and he's answering questions. Then in verse 12, uh, chapter 12, he says, now concerning the spiritual. If we make it all about gifts, now concerning spiritual gifts, if your word is in italics, it's not there in the original Greek. He says, now concerning the spiritual, if it's just about gifts, then it's about the first 11 verses, all the nine gifts, and that's where most people stop. But he's actually saying, now concerning the spiritual, then he talks about the gifts, or the manifestations of the Spirit is actually what they're called. Unity in one body, love, very important, love. Then he talks about prophecy and tongues, and tongues as a sign, and words of knowledge as a sign to unbelievers, and order in church meetings. And then he goes, talks about the risen Christ, and the reality of faith, and the glorious body, and the, we have a natural body and a spiritual body. In 1 Corinthians 15, and O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your? Victory. <coughs> Sorry. And then in 1 Corinthians 16, he says, now concerning the collection for the saints. 1 Corinthians 12 to 1 Corinthians 16 is Paul's teaching on now concerning the spiritual. We've made it about the first 11 verses. All of that. He's saying this is the operation of the spiritual realm. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, and 15. But if you put the word gifts in there, well, it's about the first, the little nine gifts and which ones are mine and what do I have? It comes all about us. Does that make sense? Kind of changes the lens, doesn't it? So to understand the things of the Spirit to people who grew up in a pagan culture, read the whole lesson. Read all of it. Very different to what we've been taught. And I hope that helps you. So now, let's read it again. 1 Corinthians 12. We can examine three verses. Let's go to verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not... Verses 4 to 6 will come up, but we'll go to verse 1. Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Or concerning the spiritual, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that these, you were Gentiles, carried away to these mute idols, however you were led. There was a demonic personality leading them to speak as they were led. Demonic tongues, demonic oracles. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Imagine being so accustomed to the supernatural that there were spirits saying through them things about the Lord that are not good. And Paul has to say, guys, you know, when they actually curse the Lord, it's not the right spirit. It's not a good one. It's a bad one. So these things were literally happening. And so he's saying, let me teach you about the spiritual realm. There's such a unity in the spiritual realm that they all speak the same language and exalt the same God. He's saying, let that unity come in the church. Huh. Thank you, Jesus. Now we're going to examine these three verses. Oh, okay. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries or differences of ministries. It's the same word, diversities. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Now, they're going to have a chart come up behind me. Verse Diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Diversities of service, but the same Lord. Diversities of working or energy, but the same God. So, 1 Corinthians 12, gifts, 
Diversities of gifts. That word is charisma. We've denigrated this word to a personality. They have a very charismatic personality. That is butchering that word. Words are important. Words are important. That word charisma, base of that word is charis. Take off the M-A. It means grace. That is the word for grace. By grace. That's why they're called gifts. Because it's by grace. Like salvation is by grace. Gift by grace. Grace means unmerited. You receive favor. You receive something based on the merit of another. Can I have the other mic? Sorry. Noah, you, you tried hard. This one working? Whoa, hello. You receive... Will that work? Yes. So, you, you receive... I talk with my hands. You, you, receive, you receive favor, merited favor. Sorry, is that going to be a distraction? All right, I'll hold it. You receive favor. Oh, goodness. It's good to have fun in church, right? My wife just shakes her head like, honey, no, no. Really, that's not good enough. All right. Thanks, babe. Devin about fell off the chair, so I figured I better change that. All right, so back to the scripture. You receive favor based on the merit of Jesus Christ. The best way I can explain it is that God will work through you while he's working in you. We ha- you don't qualify. It's a gift. He works through you while he's working in you. The Holy Spirit leans, in a sense, on the charis, on the grace, on the righteousness of God in you. He leans on the Christ in you. He leans on that not on the faults. He leans on the Jesus inside of you. Charisma, gifts. There are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different service. The word is diaconia. It means ministry, but the same Lord. Those are in reference to the, I believe, to the more of the office. If you go look at the word, that's what it means. It's the office, the appointed spiritual seat. It's speaking about Ephesians 4. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And we've destroyed that thing too. Look across this nation. About a half a million churches. So a half a million pastors. Now, no pastor is an interchangeable word for elder in Scripture. But the word pastor in, in, in the Bible, in the New Testament, is, if you take out all the repeats, is mentioned three times. The word prophet, 160 times. New Testament, prophet or prophets, apostle or apostles, 79 times. What do we see mostly in the modern church? He's my pastor. And we remove the apostolic power, the prophetic sight. But we're going to get into that maybe today. And then he says, Workings, but the same God. That word is energia. Energia. I don't know how to say it. Energia. I think it is. It means energy. New age. Oh, you have such a good energy. No, no. That's our word. That's a Bible word. It's been changed, but it's a Bible term. And it means there's diversity, and all of them have diversity. Diversity of gifts, diversity of service or offices, and diversity of energies, of the workings of God. And you know what's wonderful? is because not every prophet is the same. Not every, even you see it in the Bible. Paul was an apostle more to the Gentiles, but he was an apostle. 
Peter was more to the Jews, but he was an apostle. Diversities of gifts, diversities of service. I know prophets that can really only speak to certain age groups. They don't get revelation past that. Diversities of gifts and services and workings. There are people, it's made up of you, your personality, God in you, the death that you've died with. It's made up of such various things that there's no two alike. And we box it and say, well, they do this and a prophet. No, no, there's a diversity. Okay. Today, you will find that in a church. Some churches are more geared towards the broken, the dying, the lost, the drug addicts. The, and people say, they don't really love the lost. No, there's a diversity. They have an expression. Some churches are more geared to deal with religious Christians. That's like Peter to the Jews. Diversity. So, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are diversities or differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit, it never calls them gifts. Not there. It calls them gifts later. He says, there are all these diversities, but the manifestation of the Spirit, he's saying, this is different to all of that. Can you see that in English? Do you see the word but? Do you see it? It's not out there. Oh, there it is. <laughs> but the manifestation of the Spirit. There are diversities of gifts and service and, and workings. But the manifestation of the Spirit. That's given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. We call these gifts of the Spirit. They are called the manifestations of the Spirit, and it's extremely important. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the, uh, through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, not a different God, like they were thinking. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings. It's a plural gift. By the same Spirit, which I'm going to explain, God willing, next week. To another the workings of miracles to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Now, that word manifestation is phanerosis in the Greek. But the manifestation of the Spirit. It's when the Holy Spirit comes to manifest Himself. You don't own that gift. Please hear me. They are not resident in you. The Holy Spirit comes to manifest Himself through a clay vessel. Not a clay vessel. <laughs> That's not what I meant, but it is kind of funny. So, He comes to manifest Himself through a human vessel. So the manifestation, like I said, is what the Spirit does. But the fruits of the Spirit is His nature. That's who He is. Love, peace, patience, kindness. When He comes to manifest these powerful workings through people, let's try do it with his heart. Yeah? And not build towards ourselves. Look at me. Look at how much power. Look. No. Because not even the Holy Spirit, the one who's manifesting himself, not even he speaks on his own authority. So how dare we? 
It's like that old cartoon I saw. I saw this cartoon. I loved it. Where it says, it says um, someone's preaching and then someone else says, well, you know, they got that from me. And then it's, it shows you Paul in heaven going, uh, excuse me. And then you see the Holy Spirit behind Paul going, uh, hello. And then you saw God. He goes, everyone, knock it off. It's all from him. It's all from him. So, whether it is, we'll throw them up. Now, I'm going to teach on these individually in the coming weeks, but not today. But whether it is word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, kinds of tongues and interpretation, whatever it is, it's a manifestation of, of the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, to understand this better, I'm going to teach you briefly on the sevenfold Holy Spirit. Very important. And most people, I've discovered, I didn't know this, have never heard a teaching on this. But it's in the Bible. Could you go to, if you have a Bible, keep your finger in 1 Corinthians 12, go to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah 11. Isaiah stands up and prophesies, there's a Messiah coming, there is one coming. And he starts to prophesy this, Isaiah 11 verse 1. So while you turn there, I'll have a drink. Then a shoot will spring forth from the stem of Jesse, because he was the son of David, Jesus, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. They're talking about the Messiah. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding or revelation, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit or strength, the Spirit of knowledge and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight, Jesus, the Messiah, will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. So he talks about the seven spirits of God, which I'll get into now. But it's interesting. It says, when he comes, the one he will delight in is the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge and think, in a sense, by his own authority. Again, you see it. Submission. That's why he could do what he did. Revelations 1, verse 4 to 5. Just to show you elsewhere in the Bible, it says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, Father, and from the seven spirits who are before the throne, Holy Spirit, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. The Trinity is mentioned. But it calls the Holy Spirit the seven spirits. Now, he is not seven different spirits which we'll see in a while, Charles Wesley will tell us. He is one spirit, but he has manifold operations, and he comes as those seven different expressions. There are seven expressions of the one spirit that the Old Testament is showing us, and what are they? We read them. The spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom. The spirit of the Lord is, in a sense, the name for the Holy Spirit, but it is also when he comes as Lord, the spirit of lordship. Think about salvation. It's not if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Savior, that he's Lord. Lordship. So everything stems from that one root, that he is God and King and Lord. And then he says it's the spirit of wisdom. And that's to know what to do, to know when to do it, to know how to do it. The spirit of understanding or the spirit of revelation which is to reveal, to uncover. You get illuminative revelation, 
which is something that's already been revealed, but God reveals it to you, and it's like, wow! You know what, this, what I'm talking about? Revelation. Then you get informational or prophetic or divine revelation, which is information about a person that you could not know. In the New Testament, calls that word of knowledge. Now, even in Ephesians 1, 17, it says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, will what? Will give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's in the New Testament as well. Then he says, and it talks about the spirit of counsel and the spirit of might. And the spirit of counsel is God's plan and strategies. And you know what? It's not just counsel like, oh, I'm going to counsel you. Let me help you. It's not that. It is that. It's strategies and his counsel, his way of thinking for life, including the miraculous. Why do you think Jesus would pray for one person, put mud on the, you know, and the other one spit on the tongue, and the other one go wash, and the other one? It's the strategies from his Father, the spirit of counsel with the spirit of might. The spirit of might is signs, wonders, and miracles, not just healings. There will be signs in the heavens above and wonders on the earth beneath. Think of Moses. That's the spirit of might that can rest on a person. The spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord is seeing God as he really is and the spirit of the fear of the Lord is reverence and terror. I've experienced that twice in my life. About a month after I got saved, I've shared this here before, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, in a sense, the Holy Spirit came into my room where I was, and it, he came like that. And I honestly thought I was going to die. And I got under my bed, and I was, there was a terror that came. And all I could hear was, I am not a man that I should lie. I am not a man. I am not. There was such an understanding. God and man is the fear of the Lord came in. And that's an expression of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's additional scriptures, just so you can see, it says it in Revelations three or four times. Revelations 4 verse 5 says, From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. You know what that's a reference to? The menorah. Can you throw it up behind me, the picture? The seven spirits of God. The spirit of the Lord is the main branch. And then you'll see the partnership. And literally, they partner. The Bible says to make it like this. In the Old Testament, it was a physical expression. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. See, it's one branch. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of the knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. They partner with each other. Now, I could teach on this for the next three weeks. But we're not going to do that. John Wesley says this. He is called the seven spirits, not with regard to his essence, which is one but with regard to his many, his manifold operations. There's a Bible translator from, I think it's from the Baptist school. If you like that, here it is for you too. The Spirit is one in name, but sevenfold in virtue. Jesus said, that's power. Jesus said, virtue left me. Power came from me. Some think that angels, in a sense, are the seven spirits mentioned here, but they cannot be. Great as the angels were, they were still created beings. Now he can actually, I won't get into that. 
These nine manifestations of the Spirit, go back to 1 Corinthians 12, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, you know, faith, miracles. These nine manifestations of the Spirit, there are manifestations of the Spirit. Has the Spirit changed? No. The sevenfold Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, but now there's nine, and we get Western. Well, that, I mean, uh, well, there's two, I mean, that doesn't, the math doesn't make sense. Well, it's because everything is relational, not method or formula. But why are two added? Just in case for those of you who have questioning minds like myself. Because the communication level, God was trying to say, is going to go way up. Because Jesus is opening a realm and you're going to be able, I will speak, you will speak heavenly languages. There's not going to be a barrier. There's going to be a mediator. Things, the communication between me and my people will open so up, there will even be a supernatural communication. You will have a heavenly language that edifies yourself. I will come upon you and you will speak other languages supernaturally about things you don't even understand. Communication up. Because all my sheep will hear my voice. So communication is very important. But the seven spirits, the sevenfold spirits of God. So when it talks about the gifts of the Spirit or the manifestations of the Spirit, it's like people say, oh, I gave a word of knowledge this week. That's the manifestation of the Spirit that came on you for a moment, but it doesn't remain. The Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of might, it's when it starts to become a little bit more resident, yet it's the same Spirit. Jesus operated, that's what it says. Jesus, people say Jesus operated in the gifts like any man. I understand what they're saying. There's truth. But Jesus operated in the manifold seven spirits, the Holy Spirit without measure. He walked in the spirit of wisdom, in the spirit of might, in the spirit of the counsel and the fear of the Lord. I hope I'm making sense to you. It paints a picture of what these gifts or manifestations of the Spirit Himself comes to do. And it's extremely powerful. And when we're limited to, well, which gift do you have? Friends, we put such a ceiling on God. And I find people say, well, how come it's with some people all the time? It's because it's a relational issue. It's not method or formula. So, there's something in a person's heart. For example, when I got saved, I didn't even understand all of this, but I read 1 Corinthians 12 and then 14 because I grew up in a house where there was just power was present. And I saw that it said, if you reveal the secrets of the heart through words of knowledge, the people will fall down and worship you. And something came into my heart that said, God, that's the fastest way to bring you worship. And there will be no arguments. Because how can then, so for two years, I don't want to say daily, but it felt like it. I cried out, God, reveal the secrets of the heart. And then God started to do that. I didn't earn it because it's a gift. But the crying out to God changes me. And as I would, there's an obedience. He would say, go say this to this person. Or that you have that thought. And the first hundred times you're like, no. You know, and then you die. And you're like, okay. And then you're like, what? That's true? You know? And what happens over time is there's a relationship developed where that voice becomes loud and your voice becomes less. And so there's now a flow in a person's life. But yet it's, you still don't own it. But there's a trust relationship between the two. And you start to walk in the spirit of revelation. 
And when you start to walk in the spirit of revelation, everything about you will be revelatory. You will get revelation from Scripture. You will get revelation when you read. You will get revelation when you pray. You will get revelation, supernatural revelation about people. It's all revelation, revelation. The spirit of wisdom, it's all, I know what to do. I know how to do it. I know when to do it. Some businessmen, oh, if the spirit of wisdom would rest on them, they would change nations. Huh? Daniel? They are powerful, friends. They are the Holy Spirit at work in you. They are often called gifts, but it's actually Him Himself. And He will function through you and operate through you powerfully, powerfully. And then there's a relationship. I'm going to cover this in detail next week, but I'll say this, and then we're going to pray. The Bible says that when Jesus ascended, the Ephesians, what you call the Ephesians four gifts, or the fivefold gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, those are offices. It says, Jesus said when he ascended, he gave gifts to men. That word men is not, it's, it's mankind. Actually, in the Greek, it means male or female. But he gave gifts to mankind. And I I will go into this next week. But it's the same phrase as when it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his son. God gave one. He gave the one that he had to his creation. So when Jesus left, he said he gave some. What did Jesus have to do to perform or to fulfill what he was called to do by the Father? He had to die. For those who are given unto the office of a prophet, the office of an apostle, there's a death that is deep and it is required because Jesus God so loved his creation he gave his son Jesus so loved his bride he gave people and there's a death that comes and a love for people but you but you get him <laughs> you get him and it doesn't matter about, oh, it's this and it's that. You just, it doesn't matter. And it becomes, it's so powerful, but it, you become not familiar in the wrong sense, but you become used to it. And then you become settled sometimes, and then God has to show you, so much more, don't forget. Even this week, I, we went into, I went into Dairy Queen to get a milkshake for my boys. They were in the restaurant next door. So I thought, I'm going to surprise them. So I snuck out actually lied. I said I was going to the car. I didn't. I went next door to, to Dairy Queen, and I got them a milkshake. And as I stood there, I said to that lady, you're in college. She wasn't college age. I said, you're in college. Said, uh-huh. So I said, sorry. You know, realized how you come across. And I said, I'm a Christian, and I believe God speaks to people. And he's telling me something about you. Can I tell you what he's saying? And he was like, and she said, uh-huh. So I said, you're in college, and you're the first from your family, I think. And she's just looking at me. And I said, you know, and something's going to come along or has already come along where it's going to tempt you to stop studying. Now, I saw in my mind's eye a boy, a man, a guy, trying to tell her to go to another state. But I don't know her. I'm not going to get in her business like that. People say, well, give her more detail. No, actually, that cannot be helpful. So I said, 
this is going to come up. It may have already, and tears start to come. I said, you know, you're so, you're so smart. I believe you should, you know, just my two cents, I don't know you. I believe the Lord is saying, stay in college and finish your studies. Tears. Stranger. Because it becomes normal. It becomes natural. <sighs> Next week we will get into a little bit more detail about the different gifts and the different things. But friends, I'm, I'm asking us as a body, not me the leader, you know, as the people of God, as the people of the Spirit, can we approach things and can we look at this saying, God, shake my boxes. Get me out of, it's the context of what it is to be spiritual. Because there is something that the world needs that the church doesn't always offer, but the church is the only ones that have it. Is that okay? So I'm excited. I feel like the last two weeks is just to launch it with the right lens so that we don't see God's power and then turn around and backbite, gossip, slander, hurt, and offend. And They come together. They come together. Can we stand? They come together. I trust that's helpful for you. And I know it's a lot. Dad, you want to say something? No, yeah. Use this mic. It'll feed back. Sorry, before he prays, Clayton said if I want Folk, I don't know how to encourage you and myself that if we allow this, what Clayton is teaching, to become part of who we are, imagine the impact it has in the city. And where you and I walk through love and grace and patience and kindness and gentleness, we allow the manifestation of the Spirit to work through us into people in the street, into the supermarkets. The impact it will have, I don't think we realize the impact it will have. Because you put to death all arguments that people have in their mind about who God is when you reveal something to them about themselves. But through love and grace and patience and kindness, using normal words, the impact is unbelievable. You turn a city upside down. Yet it's all God. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's just, no, I don't know how else to say it. When, the, when Jesus trained the disciples, they started like we all start, like I started. So longing for the gifts and so longing for all the manifestations we all call, that it was all about me. First time I ever got a genuine word of knowledge. I messed it up so badly. I was preaching. They told me, I, you know, I was like the church slave, really. And so all the important people, the leaders, you know, that's the way I was thinking. It's a slave way to think like that. And it, it is. And they were going into a meeting. They said, there's no one else to lead youth. Can you lead the youth tonight? And I was like, okay. And at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I realized I've got to preach. 
I've never done that. I don't know how to do that. So I thought, well, I'll just tell them what I know. So I stood up there and I said, how <clears throat> in Ephesians 3 it says to know love that surpasses knowledge. And I read them the one scripture and they said, yeah. I said, how can you know something that surpasses the knowing of something, the knowledge? How can you do that? And they were like, oh, never thought about it. I said, by the Holy Spirit. And I think then they were expecting a teaching. And I was like, amen. <laughs> and, and that was it. That was it. And so I said, let's pray. And we started to pray. And as I looked at this one girl, I saw, not like with my eyes open, but in my mind, but strong, like a blue file folder, in a sense, pop up next to her with all these intimate issues and details in her life. So instead of knowing what to do, I said, hey, are these things true? And she went, yeah. So I said, that's amazing. I was more happy that I was right than about her. And I said, that's amazing. You know, like, I'm amazing. So I said, that's amazing. So I said, well, I should probably pray for you. And as she started to walk up, the Lord gave me, just in my thoughts, a word for her. You know, and I said, why do you think you're disqualified? And she, like, something hit her, and she fell, like, dropped dead right there. And she started to wail and cry. I don't know what's happening. So I asked the kids, why is she crying? They said, I don't know. So I said, well, someone should give her a hug. It's what I did. Then I said the same thing with another young guy, same kind of reaction. And I said, why is he crying? So I said, someone should give him a hug. And then I put the mic down, and I went to go play pool. I'm like, I'm going to be playing pool over here when they're done crying. You can come butchered the whole thing, right? It's like the disciples casting out them. Who's the greatest? Who's going to sit on your right and left? What's the point? He doesn't take them away when you're in learning. The gifts and the core are irrevocable. But he will work a ministry in you, but you don't qualify. He will work through you now with all your stuff. You think I don't have stuff? Have five minutes with my wife. <laughs> I have stuff. We all have stuff. But it's based on charis. The unmerited favor because of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we bless you. We thank you. Lord, mature response to the power of your spirit. Signs and the wonders and on the earth beneath. Not because of us, but you paid a mighty price. Let your price be paid. Let it be seen with power. We love and bless you, God. In Jesus' name.